It is game day here on The Ref. We are now just under, just over, just over 12 hours away from kickoff. Kickoff a little after 8 p.m. tonight in the Alamo Dome. Sooners and the Arizona Wildcats. Um, get TJ's gut on how he feels about tonight's game coming up at the bottom of the hour. Porter Moser joining us at 8.15. Here's what Arizona head coach Jed Fish had to say yesterday about his counterpart, Counterpart, Brent Venables. Yeah, well, I have a ton of respect for Coach Venables, both when he was a defensive coordinator uh, for years. And uh, we, we had dinner together the other night, and I said, how many of these head coaching jobs did you turn down? Because uh, he is at the highest of high levels of coaches. And so when he chose to come to Oklahoma, uh, it was very it was one of those programs you want to monitor, you want to watch, you want to see uh, how quickly uh, will he put his stamp on the program. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's not about necessarily always turning something around. Everybody's in a different and unique situation. It's what he's done with his program the way he wanted it. And uh, you can just see when you take a team that for, you know, for years under Coach Riley, we're going to be a score fest type team. And now all of a sudden you watch Oklahoma and they can score with everybody and they're a top five offense, yet they're taking the ball away 26 times. Uh, this year, and when you see a team that does that, that's the respect that I have. That Coach Venables in two years goes from six to ten wins. He adds four wins to his, you know, in, in second year, and then on top of it, it's just the way they play. That's what coaches. I know. I think there's a saying like, "Those who know know." When you watch their film, you know, and you know that Coach Venables is going to have a ton of success because of the way his program and his culture clearly is taking notice. Jed Fish. Boy, it's been impressive what he's done, TJ, in uh, three years. This is his third year. They were 1-11 two years ago when he took over. Um, and now 9-3, and three, finished third place in the Pac-12, six-game winning streak, has him back in a bowl game for the first time since 2017. Um, it's a good squad. He's a good coach. He's been an NFL coach most of his career, uh, most recently quarterback coach at, at New England but decided to jump back into the college ranks, got a head coaching job, and uh, he's a hot commodity out there now. And a chance to 
I would say this: if they could win tonight, it'd be one of the bigger game, bigger wins in uh, Arizona history. They oh, had sure. a, a yeah. good run back with the Desert Swarm, but uh, beating Oklahoma and what it would signify a tenth win of the season and everything. This would be a massive game tonight if Arizona could win it. It'll be huge. Uh, that's why hint at the gut why I may be a little bit. Uh, nervous going into this pick mm. at the bottom of the hour. Mm-mm-mm. So, Mm-mm-mm. Are you ready for today's SEC fact of the day? I'm never ready. Who cares? Go ahead. Tonight, Oklahoma seeking its 11th victory. That is not true. That is not true at all. Go ahead. I haven't even got to the fact yet, Teach. That is a fact, but I'm <laughs> going to share another fact with you. Wrong about OU's the 10 and part. 2. Go ahead. Trying to win 11 games. Um, here are the number of times SEC teams have won 11 games in a season. Okay? Two teams have never done it. You want to guess who they are? Uh, Vanderbilt and... Oh, hang on. I forgot about Vanderbilt. Thank you for saying that. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I, f- I haven't done Vandy in South Carolina yet. Thank you for saying that. Uh, so there's three teams that have not won 11 games? Well, I don't know. I haven't got to Vanderbilt yet. So, I was in the course of counting all these up, and I forgot that I hadn't finished. <laughs> all right, stand by. I'm scrolling. Vanderbilt. This is I, just an obvious shot at the Missouri Tigers. Go yeah. ahead. In the end, I'm trying to figure out how to take. Okay, Vanderbilt's never done it. Uh, so they're one of the zeros. Now let me look up South Carolina real fast, okay? Who do you think the other two are that I already know? Um, well, those were the two I was going to go with with South Carolina and Vanderbilt. I'll say the other is – this is while they've been in the SEC? No. Just All ever? time. Yep. Missouri's won 11. Never won 11 games. Huh. I'll say Mississippi State. That's correct. Mississippi State and Ole Miss have never won 11. Mm. Now, Ole Miss has an opportunity in the uh, bowl game. What are they, in the Peach Bowl? To pick up an 11th win. South Carolina actually has done it three times. Uh, Three times in a row with um, uh, 11, 12, and 13. Is that when Spurrier was there? Yeah, with Spurrier, they won 11 games three years in a row. Uh, and that's that's it for them. So, I got Vandy at zero, Mississippi State and Ole Miss at zero, Kentucky one, South Carolina, Missouri, and Arkansas have done it three times, Texas A&M four times. Remember that number. Auburn six. This is 11 win seasons, okay? Florida and LSU, TJ, big-time programs. Florida and LSU have done it eight times. Tennessee, nine. Texas, 11. Georgia, 14. Bama has gotten there this year already. It is Alabama's 27th time that they've won at least 11 games. If Oklahoma wins tonight, it will be their 28th all-time 11-win season. How will they ever compete with the likes of Texas A&M in this conference? Texas A&M, four. 
this Auburn like any six. facts the, the most facts uh, the, the things I've got most out of these facts is how I knew they were a pathetic program but they're even more pathetic than I thought down Who? there at College Station A and M yes well I don't know what to tell you I'm there they are perhaps the most consistent program in America. <laughs> They've got great facilities. We know that. Right. They want to be a blue blood very badly. They want to be, but they're and just they have, not. They have the capability, I mean, the resources, the facilities, the money, the state, the location, the conference. They have everything there to be a blue blood except for the winning. They're closer to Vanderbilt than they are to a blue blood. Well, I don't know about that. Well, they are. They're closer they to They even lost Van- to OSU last night. Pathetic. Yeah, they were missing a lot of guys. But, yeah. I think that's a pretty interesting stat. I'm sure this will, anytime I throw a list out there, uh, we start fighting. So I'm sure this is going to anger someone. But Oklahoma with a win tonight. Could And by the way, that would be the most in the country. They are tied with Alabama as of right now with the most all-time, 27-11 win seasons. A win tonight would give Oklahoma their 28th, which would move them back into sole possession of the most all-time. Texas, by comparison, 11. LSU, 8. Florida, 8. Arkansas, 3. So forth and so on. There you go. There's your uh, SEC fact of the day. Okay. Uh, we're going to break early here, Teach, because we got Porter on the other side. We want to give him plenty of run. We're in San Antonio, Alamo Bowl coming up tonight. Stay with us. The T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you every day by the Riverwind Casino and Hotel, OKC's number one gaming destination. The one for entertainment, the one for games, the one for fun. Riverwind Casino. Welcome back to San Antonio in Norman tonight. The Sooner men's basketball team back in action. They get Central Arkansas tonight. We are joined by head coach Porter Moser on game day. Good morning, coach. Morning, Toby. How was your Christmas, sir? You know, Toby, my Christmas was great. uh, I've always... um, and I speak on it too when I speak about balance. And you know, in my profession, and a lot of everybody's out there listening to this profession. You know, there's always times it gets crazy, and you got to prioritize and be intentional with balance with family, your faith, your friends, and your job. And this was a great time to do it. And I say all that, and I struggled with it. <laughs> I just struggled with it because you know I didn't. We left from the North Carolina game, and the, we let the players go their own way. And uh, it's one of the only good NCAA rules they, they make is that we're allowed to pay for them in the last game to go home if you're on the road. So we kind of schedule road games so we can pay for them to go home. And uh, so I didn't see them until we got back. And that just game just festered in my belly um, about that game. And um, so I, I had a great Christmas, a long answer to a great Christmas. But I had, I had to prioritize balance and enjoy it because uh, that thing's been sticking in my belly. I understand when you got one of those games that you got to sit on for a week or more than a week in this case, 
Boy, you'd sure rather win them than lose them. We'll talk about Carolina here in a second. What was the kind of the schedule for the team? What What's the structure been like the last week or so for them? So we played the 20th, and uh, it was a late game, so we got out of there. So um, we had a, a charter flight. So everybody who was going back to Norman went on the plane, and then I had my operations coach and another coach that were going their own way stayed with the rest of the guys. And then the rest of them, a lot of the parents were there. They got to go with their parents, so they flew out right from Charlotte. So that was the 20th, and then the, the, they had off the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and then we brought them back on day five, the 25th. And I mean, I don't know how much time I got on your show, but I tell you what, this is the craziest NCA story. I feel like calling all those media people that love railing the NCA. You got all the you time know, you I, want. All right, listen to this. This is crazy. I'm probably gonna get in trouble for even saying it. All right, there's a rule that says you have to give them off one day a week. Whatever day your week starts, you've got to give them off one day a week. Now, during the holidays, there's no limit on how many hours you can practice. So normally we get 20 hours. So during the holidays, we can go as long as we want. All right, we're not in school. But we still have to give them a day off. So we, we gave them four, five, four days off in a row. So we brought them back Christmas night. We wanted to do some shooting, some skill watch the film, get it behind us so that on the 26th we could start talking about Central Arkansas. But we, that, was the, that was Monday was Christmas, so we had to give them that day off. We couldn't do anything that night. So we, put, we petitioned the NCAA, we gave a waiver. We said, hey, Monmouth, it's a long story, but Monmouth had to play on that day. We had to move Central Arkansas on the 28th. So their AD wrote a letter saying, hey, we couldn't play that day. We had to do it here. We petitioned. Can we just... We just gave them four days off in a row. Can we do it? They absolutely denied the waiver. I said, you're, you're accepting all these waivers about double transfers for no reason, and we got our waiver denied to practice for an hour after we just gave them four days off. Wow. How about that? Wow. Wow. Crazy. That, crazy. that is crazy. So you got back on the 26th then? No. Well, we, they, they got in town uh, Christmas so that we went, we went a long one on 26th. We had, we had weights in the morning. We had a workout, um, and then we had film, and we gave them a break, and then we went a double session that night again. So we, that, that 26 was, a, was a, a long day for them. But we, we, we lifted in the morning. We had a workout in the morning just to get their second wind, and then we watched an hour of tape of getting better from the Carolina game. Um, and then yesterday we had a practice um, in, in the morning, and then I brought the whole team to my house for, like, a Christmas dinner. We watched our, our night before scouting tape at my house with the team, we watched it all over here, about uh, and then we had a big Christmas dinner here nice. at my house last night. We got a shoot around today and game today at six. Nice, nice. Well, what was your takeaway from from Carolina? Is that um, there's reasons why you, I, I thought we completely beat ourselves, and that's not taking anything away from Carolina. Um, I think they're an elite team. They played with a vengeance. Carolina did. Uh, they just got off a loss to back to back to UConn and Kentucky, and they played that way. Um, and so it's not to take away anything from them, but you know we didn't we didn't play like like, like we play. Um, we got in a, a, a rut in the first half where one guy went one on one, then it just it just snowballed. We didn't pass it like we normally do. We dribbled too deep into the paint um, and had turnovers that led to baskets. We got down twelve two, um, and we didn't we didn't turn it until I got him in halftime. And uh, in terms of how we were moving the ball, I thought we moved the ball much better in the second half. Um, we had some defensive breakdowns from our standpoint. Um, 
R.J. Davis was elite. He was a first-team All-American. He played that way. Um, I thought he hit some big shots down the stretch, but he, he, that he had huge passing, too. When you watch the tape, he made some unbelievable passes out of the trap, like cross-court to the opposite corner for a three. Like, you got to give up something when you're trapping like that, and he found that something. Um, so I, I felt we beat ourselves. I felt, um, you know, low assists, high turnovers, that's not a great recipe. Um, and with all that said, it was 2.45 left, we're down five. I mean, with yeah. all, and, and it was, it was, you were there. It was a road game. It, it, it was yeah. not a neutral site game. It was 17,000 Carolina blue. And uh, so with all that said, us not playing well, we kept fighting, kept trying to find a way to, to crawl back. And it was five points when RJ hit that fade three and uh, put it back up to eight. And so we had our opportunities not playing well. That's what we talked about. We talked about why why we were, didn't, you know, the things that hurt us, what we need to do and get to get better because they're, 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 they're really good. And, but so are we, and we didn't play well and we had our opportunities. They, the numbers at half were um, certainly uncharacteristic, as you said, two assists, I think at half, a lot of one-on-one basketball. I know that they defended you a little different than you've seen a, a lot of the year, no switching and things like that. Did the way they defended you, lead into that and and if so do you expect to see maybe more of that going forward so w- the way they defended us see us driving the ball is, is is been a good thing for us like athletically okay to driving it jv on driving it so like we we've, we've got to understand if the gap closes you got to give yourself up you got to you know play off two feet and kick it kick it and what, what they did and green bay did it too to us is when we start driving, they just come flying in off other players and just dig and rake and swipe down. And that's what Carolina did. Like, so they're, they're, it, the, the gap looks open. We'd hit the gap. Jalen Moore happened three times. It hit the gap, and then when he put it on the deck, they came flying off another player and just dig and rake instead of kicking it when that happens. And we were just too antsy and eager. You've got you to be willing to kick it when they dig and rake and, and get them in a scramble. And we just went too far with an extra dribble, if that makes sense, and, and got, got, got it stolen, and then it turned into transition points. And uh, that was probably the biggest thing. And then, it, and then what happens, not just with us, but a lot of teams, when, when, when you come down and you get two or three quick turnovers, then someone else is like, man, I had, I had a touch in a while, and all of a sudden you know, they feel like they got to help the team out, and they got to go create. And it just kind of snowballed into two assists. I mean, instead of we're, we've been around eight, eight or nine and a half times. I, um, I've been around some teams in the past where I, I remember a coach told me one time, my guys aren't mad enough after they lose. I'm not sure, it, I'm not sure how much it means to them. I, this is the first time your team has experienced a loss this year. You got them all back together a couple of days ago. How has your team reacted to the loss? How have they handled it? Well, it, I didn't see the immediate reaction because everyone left. Uh, I saw the locker room afterwards. They were the thing about it that I saw. I saw. Um, I did see a uh, an anger that they didn't play well. They knew. They knew. Like they knew the, the whole story about the assist we talked. They they knew it. They felt it. And the thing about this team is like effort, like preparation, confidence. They, we have this, this mantra about having a respectful confidence. I don't care if it's North Carolina or Central Arkansas. We respect, we dive deep into the scout. What do they do well? How can we exploit it? 
and I don't care if it's North Carolina, North Jersey, or Central Arkansas, these guys believed in every bone of their body they were going to win. Like, even in warm-ups or in announcements, they looked around. We, we, we saw what we saw. It was 17,000 baby blue all yelling, and, and the guys were coming out to go to the tip-off. We're like, there was confidence that we were going to win the game. They didn't play soft. We just didn't play well. We didn't, we didn't execute what we needed to do. Um, I didn't think we shot free throws. We, we Three times we missed back-to-back free throws. That's uncharacteristic. In a stretch, we were two for ten from the foul line in the second half, and it still was five. And uh, I think they feel it, it, we, we beat ourselves. And, uh, and they're, they're, they, they, it, I didn't walk away saying, oh, man, these guys don't care. One, <laughs> it was yeah. the complete opposite. Otega Owe had 23 in that game. He's having a, a remarkable season for you. The, the improvement from one year to the next has been uh, pretty incredible. Uh, what's the ceiling for it? How good can Otega be? Uh, I, he's looking like a first-team All-Big 12 type guy already right now, and he's only a, a sophomore. Where can he go with this skill set? Well, continue um, in every area. That, that's the mantra I want for him. You know, we talked about his defense. Um, you know, he's becoming one of our better defenders. Um, you know, we got to do that consistently. And I don't think that was present in the Carolina game. Um, but I, I feel that he's he's coming into his own in terms of becoming an elite defensive player. Offensively, he's got the ability. Rick Majerus used to always say this to recruits. He said, look at the stat. Top 10 in the NBA, top 10 in college of scores. They get 25% of their points for the following. He goes, look it up, look it up. And it's true. Like Kevin Durant was around 30 in his big scoring years. They know how to get to that foul line. Otega knows how to get to the foul line. He was, what, 10 for 11 against Carolina. So he had 10 of his 23 points from the foul line. So that stat keeps holding true. So that's the thing. That's the thing we want to get better with Milos. Milos doesn't get to the foul line. He's averaging eight and a half, and he hardly ever gets to the foul line with the ball in his hand. We're trying to get him to the physicality of going. Otega knows how to draw that foul. I really believe that um, his jump shot has come miles away. And the good thing about his jump shot is he's, he's being selective with it. He still understands that if they get up close, he can drive by anybody. But he's, he's, not, he's knocking down that one where he's wide open, which becomes a bigger threat. Now they have to move out farther on him. That is huge. Um, his passing, his ball handling is so much better. It's less choppy. I mean, he's more fluid. I trust him coming off ball screens now. So he really worked, you know, this, this development program in the summer we got. I mean, he, was, he went after it. And uh, I just think he can keep taking steps up in all those areas. Two more quick questions. First off, Central Arkansas, your opponent tonight. Uh, what can you tell us about the Bears? Similar to Green Bay, they can shoot it. They, they got two six seven six eight wings that can really, really shoot it. And that's the kind of thing that makes teams dangerous like this. Is you can't let those, you can't have a night where a team's like twelve for twenty six from the three point line. You know where they're they're really getting like thirty six points off twenty six shots. You know we we've got to really guard that three point line in transition. We have to impose our athleticism like we did against Green Bay. We're more athletic and longer. We've got to impose that. We got to play like that. We can't let you got to take someone's confidence away by imposing your athleticism. There's nothing worse than having an athletic advantage lengthwise, everything, and not, not imposing it in the game and, and let another team play harder. So we've we got to impose our athleticism with our heart, our effort, our length. We've got to get transition points and offensive rebound points. Finally, uh, not to put you on the spot here a little bit, but obviously 
you weren't around here when Ryan Miner was a player, but a lot of uh, thoughts uh, about Ryan the last few days after his untimely passing. Do you have any memories of, of Ryan Miner back when he was a star here at Oklahoma? I remember that game when they beat Kansas and uh, watching that and watching him play and, and how, you know, the, the, the calmly he made those free throws. And, and uh, you know, just the, the thing that sticks out is the kind of person he was being that kind of star athlete. Like, he, he was just a humble, like, unbelievable guy. And, I mean, and he, how many guys make it to the NBA and the, and the major leagues? Like, that's, that's elite of elite category to make it to the NBA and the major leagues. And uh, he did that with unbelievable character. Um, he's a, a, you know, a father of two daughters. He's a brother, husband. I mean, like, he just how he did things. And, you know, I, I always have this thing, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And how he did anything, you know, I didn't know him, but his legacy is how he did anything was first class. The way he treated people, the way he put his effort in his sports, the way he, how he carried himself, everything was, was first class with Ryan Miner. Early 90s, that was your A&M years, is that right? Is that when you were in A&M? Yes, yes. Yeah. It was, it was in the, we, uh, so I, I, he, I think he, we went into the Big 12 right after he was gone. Um, yeah. You know, because I was there A&M's first year in the Big 12. Uh, but, man, was he good. I mean, just watching, I remember watching it. You know, we were in the Southwest Conference at the time, but just watching him, you know, a long guy shoots it, like just the way he played. Really yeah. excellent player. And then for him to be a, a third baseman, you know, <laughs> at that size. I mean, just, just remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Remarkable player, remarkable human being. Six o'clock tonight, OU in Central Arkansas. You got quite the Sooner doubleheader coming your way tonight, Sooner Nation. Coach, thanks for your time. Good luck tonight. All right, thanks, Toby. Boomer. There you go. Porter Moser. OU Central Arkansas. It'll be Chad McKee and Kevin Henry on the call. Sooner Radio tonight. Their pregame show will start at 5.30. We'll take a quick break here in San Antonio, headed down the stretch of a uh, T-Row in the morning show on game day. TJ's gut for the Alamo Bowl coming up next. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. All right, welcome back to Team Hotel here in San Antonio. Game day today. We got uh, pretty much an all-day pregame show for you here on The Ref. Basketball, football, doubleheader tonight. Fun night, Teach. If, um, if you're at home, like you will be tonight, you can watch basketball a couple hours, then boom, right over to the football game. All day, it's another all-day uh, uh, college football fest. I think the first bowl game kicks off at 10 a.m. this morning. Let me look that up. I, I looked it up earlier. Yeah, I think that's um, right. I took a dive, by the way, yesterday in Bowl Mania. We haven't got to that yet, but I went one and three yesterday, which I think means you went three and one. I lost the USC game. Oh, okay. Um, I know. Two and two? I think I went two and two. You picked Oklahoma State. I remember you said go pokes yesterday on the air. I didn't say that, but, yeah, I picked them. Yeah, 10 a.m. SMU and Boston College in the Fenway Bowl. That one's fun. Uh, 115 Rutgers in Miami in the 
Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. 445, NC State, K-State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We get to see a winning coach take a bite of the mascot in that one, Teach. And then, of course, it all culminates tonight with the Valero Alamo Bowl. Uh, a lot of people have asked, TJ, because we saw um, mayonnaise dumped on Neil Brown yesterday. Mm-hmm. You saw coffee dumped on uh, <laughs> By the way, have the, you seen the outrage of the uh, West Virginia fans of the broadcasters of that game putting uh, Duke's mayo on pepperoni rolls? No. Yeah. Uh, Is that a no-no? It's an abomination, apparently. <laughs> they're not happy with it. They're, they're angrier about that than them putting it on their head coach? <laughs> I think so, yes. Yeah. We had coffee dumped on the head coach at the Scooters Coffee Bowl. Um, uh, I have asked, there are, as of right now, there are not plans to dump gasoline on the winning coach tonight. Oh, man. The Valero Alamo Bowl. Because um, that is considered uh, dangerous. Uh, all right, TJ, uh, it's time for your gut. How are you feeling? It doesn't matter how I feel or uh, Brian Jeffries at Arizona feels or even Steely's uncle. Sooner Nation waiting with bated breath right now to see how you feel about tonight's Alamo Bowl. What does TJ's gut say? First off, uh, before we get uh, to that, because we won't get to text again this hour with the crossover coming up. Uh, Six o'clock tonight, people. Like, I don't know what's caused so much confusion. So I'm not sure where you're getting five more list. 5 p.m. texts. Yeah, there's a couple on here like, hey, you guys are saying six, but I'm seeing that the game's at five tonight. It's <laughs> it's the six o'clock. Where, game. where are you all I, seeing this? I don't and know. stop. Stop looking there. <laughs> right. <laughs> SoonerSports.com on their ticket page, on their schedule page. Everything to six be o'clock. fair. If you live in the mountain time zone, I guess it will be a maybe. five o'clock tip yeah, off tonight. I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, I just saw those and knew we wouldn't get to them. So six o'clock, guys. ESPN Plus or uh, be at the LNC. Um, I woke up this morning, and the gut had some butterflies in it. It's a yeah. little nervous. It's it's one of those games that the gut says don't make their decade. Arizona is going to be fired up for this game, Have be fired up for the opportunity to play in Oklahoma, be fired up to even be in a bowl game, which they haven't been in a few years now. So they're going to be um, they're going to come out of the gates quickly, I think, and be uh, very excited to be in this game. I just don't want this to be a Boise State game where you look back and you're like, oh, man, we lost that at the end. They're going to live off of that for a while because i that's the feeling I have for this game. I don't have respect for Arizona as a football program. I'm sorry. All right? I just don't. <laughs> you and your respect. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't lose to a Judd, uh, Chad Fish. So uh, you can't be the team uh, that ends up getting him a better job when some come open available here in the next couple of weeks. So anyway, nerves. I do think it'll be a close game. But I don't think JFA, Jackson freaking Arnold, allows it to happen. I think he takes them on a winning drive. Sooners win Oof. a close Valero Alamo Bowl. They get the gas dumped on no, 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 Brent no, Venables. Not 38-31. Sooners win it in what will be a close game that Jackson Arnold will win in the end on a late drive. I mean, I think that is – I like your pick. I, I like a lot about what you said. I think, you know, if you just look rankings-wise, this is outside the New Year's Day Six Bowls, and even including a couple of those, one of the best matchups of the bowl season. 
12 versus 14. Yeah. Um, I think you have two exciting young quarterbacks, and um, it'll be a good game. I think it's going to be a fun, good game with you, – you have a high-scoring game there. In my predictions, I, I said both quarterbacks go for over 300 yards. I would be shocked tonight if we have a, a defensive battle, and I know that's what Brent would like, and I would be pleasantly surprised if Oklahoma comes out and puts the screws in on uh, Arizona's offense. Hopefully that happens, but I think more likely we're going to have something like that where both teams are in the 20s, maybe even both teams are in the 30s, and somebody makes a big play in the fourth quarter to, to win this thing. And and really, the that's the important takeaway. I mean, you want to win games. You want to win bowl games. You want to uh, get another 11-win season, all that kind of stuff. But the biggest thing that happens tonight or doesn't happen tonight is momentum, not just for a program but for a quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Belief from a fan base, belief for an offense, belief for a quarterback going into this historic year next year that we got something. We got some swagger to us. Wait till you see this kid, you know? So how Jackson Fitzgerald Arnold plays tonight is, for me, the biggest thing about this football game. Other than winning it, you you want to win it. But I'm just saying, we need to come on the air tomorrow morning and say, whew, right, we got something. And that doesn't mean he needs to have a Miles Moss-type night. or Is that the guy's name? Miles? Uh, Miller. Miller Moss, Miller yeah, Moss. Miller time. Doesn't mean he has to have a Miller Moss type night. Although if he wants to, fantastic. But go out there, impressively orchestrate the offense, make the big play in the big moment, and win the football game, and give Sooner Nation something for the next nine months to be chomping at the bit about as they head into the SEC. Thirty-eight, thirty-one. Is that what you said? Thirty-eight, thirty-one Sooners. I like it. I think think you're going to be close. I think we're in that neighborhood. All right, break time. When we come back, Chris Plank joins us for the crossover. We're in San Antonio. It's Alamo Bowl Day. Back after this. Alamo. We remember. Looking left, lobs in zone for Stoops. He caught it. Tonight, two years after the passing of the visor, Sooner Nation returns to the Riverwalk, seeking to end this bounce-back season with a bang. He's under pressure. He lobs in zone. Touchdown! Nick Anderson! Oh, mama! Picked off. Intercepted. No, he didn't. He did not. Tonight. Tonight, as the dominant and historic Big 12 era of Sooner football comes to an end, the Jackson Arnold era begins. Can number 10 guide the Crimson and Cream to win number 11 and send the Sooners to the SEC with a wagon load of momentum? 
We're about to find out. Across the middle, it is intercepted. Stutzman's got it. 20 to the 10. How sit. Looks in zone, throws in zone. Come on, Great dude. Scoop. Come on. Touchdown. It's time for the 2023 Valero Alamo Bowl. It's the Oklahoma Sooners and the Arizona Wildcats. Here we go. Live from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. This is Sooner Football. 